Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and today I have Andre Bastos, co-founder of OpenCo. Welcome, Andre. Thank you, Lindsay. Great pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, of course. And I got a little uh, taste of what your leadership is like this week. Uh, I had some technical problems and you were so kind and understanding. And so if that's the grace that you extended to me, um, you know, I, I have to think that that's the kind of grace that you extend to your employees. Oh, problems happen all the time. So it's how, how we treat them and how we solve. So no worries at, at all. That's wonderful advice, too. So um, go ahead and tell our audience, you know, what you do at OpenCo and kind of your background. Sure. So as you said, my name is Andre Bastos. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, OpenCo. That's a fintech company that we do online lending, mainly in Brazil. So Brazil has the second highest rates in the world in Latin America, uh, only losing for Madagascar. And we have like a purpose to drive the interest rates down for unsecured credit in Brazil. So we have like credit with uh, lower rates. We usually say that Americans, they have credit, Brazilians have debt. So we are turning to Brazilians to have more credit. And there is no such thing as FICO score, for example, in Brazil. So we are do- using a lot of uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, to be able to better precify and help customers have like better products. Wow. So how did you notice a gap uh, and find a solution? Yeah, yeah I think uh, a lot. I have the experience in, in the U.S. too. So for um, I have 20 years of career was I started in Brazil investing in tech companies. Then I came to U.S. to do my MBA at NYU Stern. And as an immigrant here, my first time I went to, to a store and I was going to buy something and they gave me a credit card and I didn't even know that was a credit card at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a month later, I didn't know where to pay. My score went down and was came in my interest to understand like this, this market and how, and how it works. And three, three years later, I was able to buy. Uh, my house with a mortgage in the U.S. and the interest rates were so low that I said, wow, how, how is that possible here and we can't have in, in Latin America? So that was a little bit of where, where it started. And I was lucky enough to work in a fintech company uh, at the time in Chicago in, in the U.S. and see how, how that market wor- works and bring that to the different countries. Yeah. And for people who, you know, have spent, you know, their entire lives in the United States, that system is still confusing. Uh, So I I can't imagine, you know, I'm born and raised in the United States and I still don't get it. So for people (laughs) to the the country, that must be even more complicated. It it, it is. And if you just to give like a, a perspective, if you can get a, a, a unsecured credit here, let's say with 20% a year and 20% would be already expensive a year. Uh, in Brazil, people are getting credit with 20% a month, like the interest rates. Oh my goodness. So it, it, it's like a whole different different perspective. 
And, and we see even in, here in the US, a lot of fintech companies uh, are improving also that system, making like easier easier for the consumers to to understand. And uh, even uh, there is a lot of people who are underbanked or unbanked, and we see the new generation, uh, the millennials, Generation Z, starting to use more fintech companies that really focus on the consumer, and they are not just worry with the bottom line how to make money charging fees but really to offer like a better product and a better uh way for the, the consumers to have the conversation with the company so it's a it's an exciting time yeah so what it's what has it been like um you know how have you assisted you know people who named your company services yeah so we uh we analyzed more than seven million uh, uh people came to our system we we lent uh close to a billion dollars that we put in in, in the market and we also have like uh, uh, content financial education we have like points as you progress with your learning and then we give like discount in your in your payments in your installments so we're doing a lot of um, analysis to offer better financial products for our consumers that we have banked and the bank so we have the whole uh, spectrum uh, of people in ages wow and i like how you have that education component because i feel like that is really what people need yes and in many and it's what people need but most don't really want to focus in learning and finance is something Boring. We usually say like you don't wake up and say, "Oh, I'm gonna take a credit here now." Usually, it's always like associate when we need to buy uh, something or invest in education, and we're trying to make easy when you need to make it that big purchase or you really need to for an emergency. How we can use our product, and we can maybe teach at the moment that you need, and even with like going a little bit like with people, I think. It's important to have the feedback, but not necessarily like schedule one hour every month to give a formal feedback. You are giving the feedback as the as you are working, and then something happened. You call the person aside, and you can have a conversation. So even with the consumers, we're trying to educate that way. When he has, when he, we have his attention or her attention, we can actually give some knowledge specific to that. Yeah, so there's an element of accountability involved too. That's awesome. Yeah, and we're using a lot of technology data on how to understand and be able to to, to provide the type of service. That's so cool, and you're—I mean, what you're doing is such is so needed and such a, a huge help. Um, so I want to switch gears and talk about a merger that you recently went through, and um, you know you keeping your employees top of mind was really important to you during that merger. So can you give a background and then we can get into how, you know, you, you kept your employees in mind? Sure. Yeah. So uh, open call, the name came from open banking, open finance uh, in Latin America. It's happening a lot uh, that the banks and financial institutions, they need to share the data that owner of the data is the consumer. And if uh, you allow to share your data to have better products, they have to. Um, in the US, the same, uh, it's, it's happening. 
And but the open call was the merge of two fintech companies. They were called Giroux and Rebel. Giroux had a, a about eight years old company and Rebel five years old. And when COVID uh, started, that was very uncertain in times like two years ago. Um, we we used to compete against each other. We were the have the main purpose to uh, have the interest rates down uh, in Brazil. But with COVID, we saw a great opportunity to merge those two companies and be stronger together. So we merged Geru with Rebel, creating that holding company OpenCo. But was a uh, uh, was a time that one uh, uh, we used to compete every day and think, oh, let's see how they're doing. Let's do a better product. And now we are together on the same on the same room. How did you, uh, you know, push those egos aside? Because <laughs> I know there's got to be, you know, going from competition to collaboration. That's quite the road you have to go down. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very interesting. And I, I, I like it saying that for, for the leadership who, let's say, approved the merge, they see all the the reasoning mm -hmm. and why it makes sense why mm -hmm. one plus one is not equal to but equal to 10 20. but for most of the people it's very uh emotional like you're it's it's a transition you're gonna have uh more work you need to integrate the tech platforms we need to integrate like the customers communication so there is a lot of work involved and it's normal to have a lot of uh, anxiety behind that. So a couple of things that we did um, right away. First, we had a smaller leadership group together that we were meeting like every week to discuss the merger. And then we create the culture ambassadors. So we got uh, five volunteers for each company. So it was a group of 10. And they were uh, the ambassadors who was going to coordinate uh, to define our our value together and our principles and our purpose. So that's the first thing that we did that a lot of people, um, I feel, don't give enough attention to culture. So we want for them to feel uh, and be represented. So one, one example uh, of the work those ambassadors, they did, was we had two office offices. When with COVID, we would just stay with one. So we did a, a, a business case and gave for those ambassadors to decide which officer, off, office we would stay. And whatever they decide would be, uh, we, we would take action on that. And I think that was very good to create collaboration, uh, to create um, accountability and for them really feel part and start to work together. Mm -hmm. And so for employees, I know that there can be some anxiety around mergers. Um, so how did you help put them at ease? Um, it was a lot of conversation. So at the time it was a lot of one-on-ones, uh, uh, coffee chats, and we created like uh, uh, different groups for people to get to know each other. Because you're competing before, but uh, you, if you if you know in a personal level, 
uh, it helps a lot for you to understand the other part other person and it was a challenge times because with that time with covid we couldn't uh meet in person so to do all that uh online was even more difficult but we create like tools to make that happen so sometimes send like a, a small token and making sure that they they know our the values that it created to get together and, and our new logo and have that feeling that they belong and and, and with the communica- communication is very important so we have uh, the town halls with a lot of Q&A, Q&A's at the beginning the first thing that was a lot of work related to HR was harmonization with all the benefits so the companies have different uh, insurance they have different benefits and that we were able to do a good job first to give the message that that merge was not about cutting costs that both companies were doing good and actually was related to generate more revenue and more opportunity and that no one at that time would be laid off laid off because of the merge so we made clear that and we had to make clear in different not only in the town, town hall but in the one-on-one conversations or in the team conversations so make sure that message was across the company. And at that time, we were about 130 uh, people. Now we are 250 employees. So the communication was, was crucial to, to give that, ma- that message. And we were able to get the best benefits. So uh, explain why the insurance that we were choosing was better, to explain... Uh, the new uh, uh, table related to salaries, to bonus, to stock options. So we had a lot of uh, Q&A and communications, different forms to have that clear for everyone. Yeah. And transparency can help with that anxiety, too, because, the, you know, those employees know exactly what to expect. Yeah. No, that's that. And the transparency in a way that uh, what the CEO or the chairman says is very aligned with someone way down uh, also say so that transparency and alignment and have the same message it's very important Mm -hmm. so you know when you had the the culture committees what aspects of each organization's culture did you bring in um did you you know analyze you know what what's the best about this organization what's the best about this and kind of meld them together what was the strategy for that yeah we, we really uh let the, the team drive that together and was more about seeing what was the synergy, what that we had in common uh, between both and get that coming up, that both together. One thing that I, uh, to get the best of both worlds, it's very difficult. Usually you end up like choosing uh, one way to work and after you decide you're committed to that. So was a lot of first the conversations of, okay, let's define, uh, it's not the rebel way, it's not the digital way, but what's gonna be the open core way of working. And when we define that and we make those agreements and then we can start to, to commit and execute on that. And one thing that also helped a lot was to have the new employees 
who were not from one brand or from one other. They already was they were on board uh, as as Alpenco and bringing also different perspective and sometimes being able to to point it out. Look, you are now being. Uh, your culture is not actually open co. It's coming from one one company. Now we're open co. So new new employees also helped through through that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's you know what are your culture pillars now? Yeah, we have uh, simple. It's very important for us. Uh, we have uh, and simple is not easy to make something simple. We have a lot of work behind be, be, behind uh, human. So we are a tech company, we are 100% digital, but we really value like the human uh, in, in interaction. Honesty, um, anything that we, we do, we need to be honest. If you need to have like a hard feedback, it's better for the person to, to be honest. And heroic, that we need to, to challenge the status quo all the time. Uh, and so in terms of like be a hero, and raise your voice uh, when you need. So that's our four main main values of, of Open Call. Mm-hmm. And how has um, the organization, the people that make up the organization, um, supported them and carried them out? They do. We'd like to. Uh, we have every Friday um, one event called Open Up mm-hmm. that the employees can bring any topic related to the personal lives, but you have some type of like a business uh, uh, correlation and they bring those values all the time naturally from that. We have someone that was like a, a gamer and he told like how be playing games online turned him in a better leadership. So in Brazil, we have Carnival that's like the Mardi Gras and there's someone for 10 years is leading like a, a carnival parade uh, in Brazil. And she brought how that helped her um, be a better like customer service and, and, and help our customers. So we have so many like different stories. And also in our town hall once a quarter, we, we give awards or examples of people who really live to those values. So we tried, and it's it's also in our evaluation that we do uh, two times a year. We also we measure uh, cultural fit and performance to the, the matrix. And with the cultural fit, people need to give examples where where how do they act and lived by those values. I love the different ways, the creative ways, uh, you know, with the gaming, how you encourage um, the people that make up Open Code to, you know, make those connections because you can connect what you do um, to, you know, even outside, you know, your home office, your, uh, you know, main office. There's so many ways that you can, you know, be creative that way. And I, I love how you encourage that. Yeah. And, and something magical started to happen when we see, um when we had another event open up what was like the, the the black history and people really have uh conversations about like diversity and how do they feel and what they need and really real conversations uh very meaningful so it's then they, and they feel safe to have that space in the company to have those conversations and know that the 
the leadership and everything is really listening, active listening. Yeah, it sounds like such a healthy environment. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, the tips that you have for HR leaders that may be kind of navigating difficult mergers or, you know, managing culture, uh, um, you know, structures. Let's see the main ones. I think uh, it's very important, of course, always to, it's very tough moments. So to stay calm that everything is it's gonna be okay. And if the merge uh, uh, you went through is because the one plus one is much more than, than, than two. And I think it's important at those times first to set the direction. So where you wanna go. Uh, second is one of the most like, like to energize the organization. So you can feel that sometimes like the energy levels is low. You have people who is against the merge. So it's important also to give the feedback from those people. And if they don't adapt, unfortunately, you need to have the conversation and let those people go. Uh, after you energize the organization, it's important to hardwire the changes. And that hardwire, for example, when I get the valuation, that I also measure the cultural fit, I'm making sure that that's important, that even during the valuation process, we are looking at those values. And I think the fourth is driving the execution, is really the day-to-day -day interactions and make sure that you have the right um, tools and that we're measuring that in every day-to-day -day, uh, interaction. So I would say those four steps are very important um, through a merge and, and listen a lot. I think just have the conversations and get a lot of like signals from different people. And I think HR is in a, um, in a good spot because you can talk with the whole company and the different areas and get the different perspectives. So really paying attention on what people are saying and connecting the dots and then be able to, to show that. And I think people will be appreciative of HR bringing those insights that probably many managers, they didn't know about it. Absolutely. I was part of one merger when um, I just started my career. And what I appreciated most about my what my boss did is he basically came in and said, your job is safe, number one, yeah. <laughs> which is always most important. And two, he highlighted all the ways that the opportunity could represent growth for myself. Um, so I was working at an entertainment magazine and we uh, had a business publication merge with us. So as a result, um, I started writing about business. So, um, you know, I think having one making having that transparency and helping under and the employees understand that like it's going to be okay. There's going to be it's going to be bumpy, but here's opportunity for growth. Um, I mean, that really helped me helped uh, the situation and the transition for me a lot. Very, very good to hear. Yeah, and we see that people really got a lot of opportunities like to, to grow. We we are bigger and they have more space and we have we are helping more consumers. So and, and it's very important that he said that it's gonna be a bumpy road. So you need to hang in there. Look, you're gonna gonna take you out of your comfort zone. We'll be but will be different, but will that journey uh, will be compensated even in terms of uh, 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 money or in terms of like learning and, and growth. 
Yeah. Um, and I like how you uh, said it takes you out of your comfort zone, which I think is is a little less scary <laughs> um, when you frame it that way. And, and that's the, where the leaders play a big part. As it seemed that you had a good boss that had a conversation with you and was very transparent of what what was going to happen. That's not going to be uh, easy. So if you have like uh, your your boss or a mentor or a coach to to through to go through that process, uh, really helps to deal with that anxiety. And there are a lot of things that it, it's out of your control. So also if you focus on your that you are doing a good job, that you are making, uh, showing off, making sure that even you go outside of your group. I think a lot of people, they end up being like in, in their bubble. If you sometimes go outside of your bubble and talk to someone else in the company, again, like a different perspective, it really helps to make those connections and show you as a better uh, uh, employee or representative and see the being seen. So the lead, leaders definitely play a, a big role in making that transition easier for, for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, what kind of things did you do to work with your employees to kind of keep them at ease? Or it sounds like external validation and just reassuring them that, you know, they are doing good work is a big one. Yeah. For, uh, we are a startup and we are in the VC game that we say that we, we raise capital uh, with investors. So when you have like an equity round that we just raised recently, $150 million with uh, very good investors like SoftBank, Goldman Sachs, it's a validation of, of the thesis. So it's somehow that we, we don't want, as when you're a public company, we don't want employees like looking at the stock price all the time and thinking that, but actually it's a validation that all the work that they've done uh, investors saw the potential and saw value on that. So that's something that we, we really uh, celebrate. Other thing like offsites, uh, I just saw this morning that Salesforce, they bought uh, a big ranch close to 75 acres close to uh, San Francisco. And that when you cross the bridge to get in the ranch, everyone needs to throw a stone in the river with their values. So it's Interesting to see how big tech companies are getting people out of the corporate office and, and integrating with nature. But we also did a lot of uh, offsites. So to take people literally two days out of their office to connect where we want to go, uh, why we want to go there. So I think the why is very, very important to understand. That's awesome. Where, I just got a flashback of like being in school and asking the teacher, can we have class outside? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I love how, you know, you help uh, the, you know, the members of the organization see themselves as the big picture, like with the, the stock example, with, you know, the, mm-hmm. the equity examples, um, you know, it's easy for someone who is not part of the executive or leadership team to be like, Oh, I didn't really do much. But the fact that you are saying, look, we are here because of you. That's really awesome. And you, you just mentioned school, but I'm very excited. I have a 12 years old daughter uh, that she's in the basketball team now. And last last night, they just won the 
championship about Chicago schools. So it was very, very cool. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. I was a basketball kid too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She was so excited. It was a, it was a good game. And it was close with, with 17 versus 16. So they were, they were very excited. Oh, what a great Friday for your family right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I think that's a great high point to leave off on. Um, oh, you just made me so happy. I love that for you. Um, so I thank you. Uh, do you have anything else um, you would like to add about, you know, mergers, our conversation? I, yeah, I, I will send you the picture of the basketball game since you were yes. a basketball player. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would love say- that. Yes, uh, take. I like a lot the, the the mentorship and the coach. There are a lot of tools out there that you can understand better who you are and what your team is and where are the gaps. So um, really use those tools, and HR can help can help a lot. Uh, I think the people people analytics HR not just being a department but being very connected with the business. I like a Harvard uh, article that they say for the CEO, the two most important positions would be like the, the, the CFO with the finance and also the CPO, the people officer, and how he can use those resources better for, for, for the company. So really be strategic. I think HR uh, will be for the next decade um, much more valued a role and and be more strategic and yeah i think so too um thank you so much andre for your time this was a great conversation and it sounds like openco is a wonderful place to work um you know i'll have to i'll have to support you to everyone i run into yeah um again thank you for listening to people analytics i'm your host Lindsay Patton. if you know of anyone like andre who is a great leader please reach out to me Lindsay at staffgeek.com thank you thank you for listening to staff geeks people analytics podcast I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.